Welcome back to the Cycling Tips Podcast, everybody. I am Kaylee Fretz. We just wrapped up stage 15 of this tour. We are hanging out in Andorra, where my phone doesn't work at all. Literally at all. It just doesn't it doesn't do anything. It's a brick at the moment. Um, <laughs> it's basically a tiny laptop, which is really frustrating when you're trying to... Anyway. It does work in one way. If you look at it, it costs you a fortune. It's true. <laughs> it's very true. We've got three of us here in in person, sitting around a table in Andorra. This is Andorra. the first time I've recorded a Cycling Tips podcast in person since... Pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. Yeah, like 2019 or early 2020, no. maybe. Yeah, like February 2020. Yep. Yep. It's exciting times. Uh, the voice you just heard, of course, you all know this. Abby Mickey. You're actually you're, we're, we're in your hometown right now. Well... This is your adopted principality. My quote-unquote hometown is Soldeu, which is like the mountains of Andorra. It's true. We picked you up. Uh, we, we picked you up up there today. Yes. You were hanging out on the curb. Um, we missed you. Yes. Uh, hanging out on the curb at first, <laughs> but we did find you eventually. Well, we had quite a stage today. Do you want to introduce Ronan? No. <laughs> I don't want to be. Introduced. You've already spent too much time together. <laughs> yeah. That's where we've gone already. <laughs> we're not speaking. <laughs> We had a we had an incident. I You're may... gonna liaison through me the entire podcast. Yeah, we had an incident this earlier this hour. <laughs> <laughs> I may have lumped Ronan in. Well, not Kaylee, don't it. don't go into it. Okay, let's just let bygones be bygones. <laughs> Ronan will get one more beer in him and he'll forget. So or he'll get or he get really pissed. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can fight it out, and then you'll be fine tomorrow morning. So either direction is fine as long as you don't continue to bring it up. Uh, Oh, we'll continue. Oh, he will. I'm keen to get past it. Abby, can you uh, can you let us know what we're going to learn about Continental today? Yeah, let's talk really quick about the Continental GP 5000s. They're the successor of Conti's hugely successful GP 4000 tires. Continental GP 5000 tires have quickly surpassed these as the tire of choice for training and racing. You might already know that the GP 5000 tires are made from Continental's black chili compound laser grip and vectrin but did you know that gp5000s also use active comfort technology this revolutionary approach to cycling tires is embedded in the tires construction active comfort technology absorbs vibrations and smoothens your ride meaning you can not only ride faster but also more comfortably the gp5000s is available in black or transparent sidewalls ranging between 25 millimeter and 32 millimeter width as well to put it simply Conti's GP5000 tires are made to make you better. We're actually going to have some... Ah, let's see. We're going to have some news. I just, um, just got a little beer refill over here. All is good. We're going to have a little bit of extra news on uh, on Conti tomorrow related to actually what you just said in that ad. I can I can say nothing more. We have insider information that's going to be on this podcast Something that many, tomorrow. many people will be very excited They're about. They're going to be mega stoked. It, it's true. I've seen them with my own eyes, actually. Something You've seen the excited people. The excited people. I can see them from here. Yeah. Yes. Should we get into stage 15? Should we talk about the stage today? Sup, cuss, sup, cuss, sup, cuss. Pretty excited about this. Um, we love Sep. The This is the first American, I should say. Individual. American individual. Uh, because actually we had an, an American... Is a Giro done a, a Grand Tour? Do we call it a Grand Tour? I mean, 
technically the women don't have a grand tour. Right. I would say, I wouldn't say grand tour though. I would say he's the first individual American rider to win a stage of the Tour de France since Tyler Fryer won in 2011. 11. Stage four? On Three? July 4th, on yeah third stage of the race on July 4th. Yes. Which is a great, vi- I was there for that victory, mm. winning on July, I mean, it's like a Frenchman winning on Bastille Day. It was fantastic. Um, yeah. Although, technically, the BMC team, which is an American registered team with TJ Van Garderen, won the team time trial in 2018. Tour de France. I think it was also I mean, stage four or three in the early stages. I'm not counting TTT, but so. I don't think I don't think that counts. No, an Honestly. individual stage win is a different thing. So anyway, yeah. first first individual American stage win since 2011. Tyler Farah, uh, Sepkus, who's been kind of knocking on the door for a while. I feel like he actually could have won a stage last year if he hadn't been forced to wait for Roglic. I'm trying to remember exactly which stage it was. I meant to look it up before we started this podcast, but it was right near the end. It was very clear at that point that, that Roglic and Pogaccio were the two best climbers. And actually, Sepp ended up briefly dropping Roglic on that stage. Really, a, a, the first truly impressive world-class climbing that we saw from Sepp Kuss because he was very often Primoz Roglic's last man, most kind of obviously on stage 17, which was the stage that kind of finished up a, a, a bike path at the end there. You might remember that. And... He, he basically dropped Ruglitch uh, a couple times, twi- twice, I believe, if, if I remember correctly. And I feel like he actually could have won a, a tour stage that day. He played it down. He said he couldn't, but he certainly looked like the strongest climber in the race that day. Today, with a really impressive ride, dropping Alejandro Valverde and then taking additional time on him, even on the descent uh, and into the finish, took a Tour de France stage victory. I think it was about 20, 25 seconds over Valverde by the finish line. Uh, Valverde also came across the line and gave him a big fist bump. And uh, I heard something on the television right in that moment about Huevos. Uh, Huevos Rancheros? That probably wasn't what Valverde was talking about, but you never know. Could have been been talking about Huevos Rancheros. I think it was probably more a, um, a bit of slang for the way that Sepkus descended mm. that particular uh, that particular descent. He, he does live around here. He lives he lives in Andorra. And so he, he knew that descent. He said after the race that he actually doesn't ride that climb and that descent very often because it's too hard. It's, it's really, really steep. But he, had, he knew it and he had seen it before. And I think that that was certainly an advantage coming to the finish because it, it was a fast technical descent into Andorra here. Um... Sepp is from Durango, Colorado. He grew up as mostly a mountain biker and cross-country skier. Uh, I think I've actually mentioned this in the podcast before, but he was he, he was on the same cross-country ski team as my wife. Uh, they were mm, fair ways apart. Um, she's a bit older than than I'm a bit older than than Sepp, um, and so she mostly remembers him as like an eight-year-old. But big cross-country skier, mountain biker. Uh, that's kind of what Durango's known for. Durango's where Ned Overend lives. And for those in, in, who kind of know the American scene, uh, riders like Howard Gratz and, and Todd Wells and lots of really, really strong American mountain bike talent. And he came up through this program called Durango Devo, which is massive. It's a pretty small town, Durango. And Durango Devo has hundreds of kids in it. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids. And... 
the trails around Durango are fantastic. Every single time you go out, I should say I live there. Uh, every, time, every single time you go out in single track, you see these Durango Devo kids out there. And whenever you have a, a, a program like that that's moving that many kids through it, the likelihood of finding a star actually gets quite high, right? I mean, you think about places like, like Belgium. The population of Belgium is not that high. It's not that many people live in Belgium. But because such a large percentage of the population ends up trying cycling at some point, trying bike racing at some point, you end up with this mass of, of amazingly talented world tour riders, right? Durango is kind of a similar kind of place at this point because they've got so many kids coming through this Devo program, uh, which has, has that program among uh, a whole bunch of sort of high school mountain bike stuff has really kind of changed the face of cycling in the U.S., I think. And I think that we're actually only really starting to see the benefits of that. Uh, a lot of the sort of bigger name riders that you know, the, the names that you know out there, who are in this sort of like under 26 range, I think Sepp is 26 now, he's kind of the, the forefront of, of this, are coming from the mountain bike world, which has really taken off thanks to things like Devo, things like NICA, the, the high school mountain bike league in the United States. And I think that, you know, if you're an American bike fan out there, you can be emboldened by this. You can be, this is a good thing. This is, this means that we're going to have a lot more talent at the very top of the sport in the coming years. SEP is just, like I said, kind of one of the first, really. Uh, you can also look at riders like Kate Courtney, who came straight out of the NICA system in California. It's it's going to change the way that America and American riders kind of interact with the rest of the world and interact with the world tour in particular, which is good because we've basically been sitting in the shadow of, of, of Lance Armstrong and George Hancappy and, and Christian Vandeveld and like that, that whole crew that existed prior for different reasons. And so it's good to have a new crop of riders show up that... Um, that isn't in any way associated with that and didn't follow the same the same development paths and ended up where they are in a completely different way. Having one of those riders win the Tour de France now is surely just going to expedite that even further that, you know, there's there's even more inspiration there now for those kids who are part of that Devo program? 100%. Yeah, I, I think, um, I believe today at the U.S. Mountain Bike National Championships, I think, I think one of the Devo kids won nationals today. I think Keegan is, is a Devo yeah. kid. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's from Durango. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's again, it's this program that, that has been massively, massively successful. And, and uh, like I said, my wife grew up there. Her, her, my in-laws live there. I now live there. Um, it's, it's just like ingrained in the culture there, uh, very much like you find that cycling is ingrained in the culture. In again, like places like Belgium, uh, Flanders in particular. That's not something that a lot of places in America have had in the past, where I think there's like 800 kids in Devo and it's a town of 20,000 people. So just think about that for a minute. It's one in 20 of the entire population of the town, not just of children, right? That's, that's how many kids are going through this program. And when you run that many kids through a program, you end up, you end up with SEPs, right? And, and I don't think he's going to be the last. Uh, and hopefully he ends up inspiring, inspiring more of them. I've put in a request, I should say, I should, I put in a request to, to Ard Behrens, the, the press officer over at Yumbo Visma. I'm going to try to catch up with Sepp tomorrow because I feel like it, we need a longer conversation. I, I grabbed some audio from today, but it's very quick and, and short. And frankly, he hadn't fully kind of digested what he had just done yet. He was just sort of in the, he's in a bit of the, yes, I'm very excited. Yes, I'm very happy kind of, kind of answers mode. Uh, so I'm going to try to catch up with him tomorrow. I make no guarantees because 
just make no guarantees, period. But I believe that we can get him sometime on tomorrow's podcast. It's a real bummer that Sepp has, like, kind of opted out of the Olympics. Because for the U.S., he's, I mean, clearly he's one of the strongest riders we have. And although the course is a little bit more punchy um, in Tokyo, it's it's a bummer that he's he was in the running for that and he took himself out. Yeah, I mean, it is going to be, I think it's genuinely going to be kind of hard to, to do the whole tour and come into Tokyo rare and hot, right? Like, that's why we're seeing riders like Vanderpool pull out. Nibali is probably done, to, or I think definitely done tomorrow, right? Um, We'll just be watching the watching the Euros tonight and it's probably be, hungover it's anyway. So, so hungover, <laughs> it won't be able to start even on Tuesday. It's a two day hangover. Nibley's probably gone. I think that a lot of the riders who are really, really looking closely at the the Olympics are probably going to end. Kind of have to pull out of this race. That said, sort of doing both is not completely impossible. It would have been cool to see Sep there. Um, I mean, realistically, I said that, I say this as an American. It would take a miracle for an American to win the Olympics in Tokyo. It's not. I mean, it's not a hard. It's not a hard day like today, right? It's not really a pure climber day, and, and uh, I think it's got, like a spring classic with like a little bit more. Climbing yeah, in almost it. like an Ardennes race. It's kind yeah. of Ardennes vibes. Um, I think we have Lawson Craddock going. Anyway, we don't. We don't need to be too American on this, on this podcast. We know that our, our audience out there is global, uh, but the Olympics are coming. While we're kind of on that topic, uh, Mike Woods came up in conversation shortly before we started this episode, specifically related to. So he had a pretty pretty bad crash, and he's pretty beat up. I mean, Ronan, you were saying you saw him at the finish yesterday. Is is not it was not looking great. He hit the ground really hard. Hit the ground really hard. Like he's maybe another rider that should consider. I think dropping out of this race. I think that Mike has a, has a real shot at winning the Olympics. Honestly, I would put my money on Mike to win the Olympics based on how he is riding, based on his skill set, how he rides the Ardennes, how he did at the World Championships in Innsbruck, which is very similar to how the Olympic course is going to look. So, I mean, I understand Mike's goals at this Tour de France, and also he's, he's second in the polka dots competition at the moment behind wow pools but i don't know i think it i if he were to drop out of the race i would understand why he crashed hard yesterday he crashed in the beginning of the race it's not been the best and with one week between when the tour ends and the road race in tokyo happens I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yesterday in the press conference, Bokamolama said that he literally has a flight to Tokyo Sunday night. I mean, that's that's what they have to do, right? Not in particular because there's there's still some quarantine requirements. There's still a bunch of stuff that has to happen for those athletes between that between leaving the tour and going to Tokyo. Yeah, I mean, you never you never want a rider to pull out, right? You never gonna you never gonna cheer for that, really. But I think it would be very understandable. This is a different. Yeah, I think it'd be very understandable if Mike Woods did decide that that uh, Tokyo, that his chance at Tokyo was more important. But he's not going to. That would be a really hard decision for him. I don't think he would. I don't think he would ever leave the tour. But here's a question for you, based on that: If you were in with the chance of winning the polka dot jersey, or even just simpler, which would you prefer as a cyclist to win? 
the Olympics, Olympics or the polka dot. It's not even. It's not even a competition. It's li- it's literally not even not even a hard thing to think about. The Olympics, one hundred percent. Every single person knows about the Olympics. Outside of cycling, the Olympics are huge. You can go after a polka dot jersey every year. True. I th- I think I would agree, but I would be less. I'd be less sure of it. I think that in the end, I think yes, Olympics would be would be my preference to to win. Look at Craig Van Avermaet. Uh, you know, you get to wear gold stuff all over for four years, five, five years, five if you if you get a pandemic stuck in the middle there somewhere. I think that's pretty cool. Um, does the Peloton think more of Greg Van Avermaet for winning the Olympics? No, but would they would they weigh that up against uh, a polka dot jersey? Yeah, I don't know. I'll go back. And say, I think it's. I think in, in women's cycling, it's really easy. I was gonna right? say like, in women's cycling, it's not even a conversation because in right. women's cycling, you win the polka dot jersey at the Giordana. Like, honestly, I couldn't even say who won the Queen of the Mountains jersey today at the Giordana. Mostly because the results are probably not published yet because they're like five hours behind. <laughs> but it's it's not nearly as big an accomplishment. So I can easily say that winning the Olympics would be a bigger. I think yeah, it's it's probably. An unfair question, and that's. I think most people are going to fall on the side of the Olympics in this one, but it gets a lot, a lot more difficult if you're comparing Olympics to World Championships or something like that, or even yeah. a stage one in the Tour de France. I think I, I, I think a stage one in the Tour, depending on the rider, a stage one in the Tour is potentially a, a bigger deal from a career perspective than winning the Olympics because the Olympics is one day, right? It's like it's one day. It, it's a it's a bit of a crapshoot crazy stuff can happen there's no big teams it's just it's it's a you know it's wild west out there it's a very strange race and i think that as a result it can be seen a little bit differently than than something like a tour de france stage like i said i I would take olympic i would take olympic championship but but would i leave the tour for like a, a unknown percentage increase in possibility of winning the Olympics. I, that's, that's a tricky one for me because, you know, if, if Woods feels like, yes, I'm beat up, yes, I have crashed, but I'm still fit and I still feel good and I still think that there's opportunities for me in this last week to, one, potentially take Pokedots, but also just take, potentially take stage win, do some interesting things at this race. I, I see him staying in the race for, for that reason alone. We're going to take a quick break here. Um, uh, while while we take our while we eat our dinner that just showed up, you're gonna hear all about Saris. This episode is also brought to you by Saris. Saris has created Infinity Technology, the first and only indoor training technology that adds multi-directional movement to stationary cycling. Featuring fore, aft, and side-to-side movement that mirrors outdoor riding, Saris has been making trainers for decades and is dedicated to discovering pain points that exist between people and their bikes. One pain point with stationary trainers is just that. They're stationary. Kaylee's taking a selfie. Adding movement simulates the vestibule... <laughs> Adding movement simulates the vestibular system, which makes indoor riding feel as it should. Natural. Infinity technology reduces joint pressure, adding comfort to your training. Ambulance. You can ride hard. They're going to pick up someone who didn't use one of these infinity technology trainers. I'll tell you what. 
Infinity technology reduces joint pressure, adding comfort to your training. You can ride harder and longer. Saris is driven to break down barriers between people and their bikes. Infinity brings the joy of movement indoors. For more information about the Infinity technology, visit www.saris.com. That's S-A-R-I-S.com. Thank you so much to Saris for sponsoring this episode. Can we talk about the ethics of tricking your children into thinking that things are, are not what they are? Because here's the thing. I hate horses. They, 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 they trample you. Mostly they move, ruin mountain bike trails, which is why I don't like them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what if I just, what if I just trick her into thinking that they're long-legged prairie cows and you can't ride them? How does that make or it any, them? she's going to see people riding them and know you've lied. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why I asked about the ethics of this. I just wasn't sure. I mean, ethically it's not great but, but also like logically it there's no it doesn't make any sense but you could you could plant enough of a seed that she'll not like her or not want a horse at least yeah okay i gotta work on that, that that's that's just the part I'm take her to ireland as a six-year-old put her in a horse-drawn caravan have her live there for like a long time then one day forget to lock the caravan door and she'll go to lean on it fall out of the caravan the caravan door will smack against the side of the caravan making a loud noise she will tumble underneath the horse that's connected to the caravan the horse will hear the noise and freak out and then she'll never want to touch a horse again that's an oddly specific suggestion abby your your idea seems much safer (laughs) long-legged prairie cows i'm all about it all right what happened today in the girodone Last stage. Yeah, today was the final stage of the Girodone. Thank the Lord. It's over. <laughs> stage 10. Positivity, one... Abby. Sorry, positivity. sorry. I mean, actually, the winner is a very positive story. Great race today. Yeah, the, the race was won today by Corinne Rivera. She won in a sprint against Lizzie Dagnan. Lizzie opened the sprint up a little bit too soon, and Corinne was able to come around. But it is Corinne's first win since she won stage four i believe of the lotto belgium tour back in 2019 so it's been a little bit of a drought for corinne remember corinne first american period man or woman to win the tour of flanders like she's an incredible rider only the only american American. to have ever won the tour of flanders (laughs) yes and she's she's an incredible rider and she's had a little bit of a rough time the last couple years but she won this final stage of the Girodona. she was in a break with lizzie dagnan elise shabby and Anna Vandebregen, the race leader, which leads to the conversation of whether that was a break or a selection. If the race leader is in the move, I feel like it's Not a selection. A exactly. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, on, and Anna Vandebregen won the overall handedly by a lot. Yeah, so one of the reasons that the the win today for Corinne was, was so meaningful, she said in the post-race interview she had an angel on her shoulder and that's because her father passed away from COVID in March and they were very, very close. Wally used to, he was her first coach. He's a legend. He used to go to all the races. My dad has hilarious stories about when the two of us were on United Healthcare together and my dad would drive around to all the stages of various races with Wally and Wally would just talk his ear off. Um, and so that, Obviously, it's why Corinne wasn't able to race a lot of the spring classics, but she was selected for the Olympic Games, which is a massive thing for her, given everything she's been through this year. And um, 
her win today was really emotional. I'm like almost tearing up thinking about it. I, I talked to Corinne um, a few days before the Giro started about her dad passing away for a story and both of us cried. It'll be in a freewheeling coming up uh, before the Olympics happen. But yeah, I for Corinne to take this win today, I mean, she's been instrumental in Lorena Weebus's two stage wins, um, this Giordone, and she did get her shot to win on stage seven, I believe it was, when Emma Norsgaard won, but she was able to able to finish it off today, and it, it was amazing. It, it felt like a it felt like a win on heart today, you know, last stage of the Giro, last opportunity, last opportunity to like point at the sky when she came across the line. It was it was. Yeah, it was a really special moment. Uh, uh, like, I'm looking forward to that interview, Abby, uh, on freewheeling, and I was just really happy to see her. It's a, it a rough, it's a rough spring for Corinne, to put it very lightly, uh, to put it mildly, and felt like, well, one deserved, two just really meaningful to her, really emotional for her, and from just a pure racing perspective, a really good sign ahead of Tokyo, right? Like we're getting yeah. close to Tokyo and. Sh- suits are pretty well and the americans always have a good team they have a very good team this year i think that for the first time in a while the american uh selection for the road team anyway we don't talk about the mountain bike team that's a separate topic the american selection for the road team this year is 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 spot on and they've got the best possible team that they can go with and corinne a, a corinne on fire has a very good shot at being able to do something in that in that road race I don't fully agree with that statement, but I will say that I'm, I do feel really, really optimistic about Corinne's position on the Olympic team. What do you disagree with in my statement? I don't agree with the selection for the, for the Olympics. And, uh, we talked about it on freewheeling pretty openly, I think if anyone's curious, but, um, but I think Corinne is not one of the riders who I ever had any doubts about making the selection, regardless of the results she had leading into it. She's, I've been teammates with her. She's incredible. She's, she can pick a goal and just absolutely target that goal and be on fire for that goal. And she's, proven at the Giro that she is absolutely 100% ready for the Olympic Games. For Corinne, you know, it is a good course for her. There's there's one climb on the course and then it's a downhill to the finish with a couple laps of the Fuji um, F1 track, which is a flat, you know, it's a flat sprint finish. The only thing that Corinne, standing in Corinne's way, really, is is the Dutch team. It's it's Demi Follering who finished third overall at the Giordone and uh, won the course the week before. It's Anna Vanderbregen who won the Giordone on stage two, won stage four, the individual time trial, and finished, you know, fourth today and third on the mountain mountaintop stage on stage nine. It's uh, Mariana Voss who won two stages of the Giordone. I mean, that team is just insane. And three of the four Dutch riders were at the Giordone. And, and, I mean, they really swept the whole race, the three of them. The I mean, the only real opportunity I see there is, and we talked about this before every Olympics with the Dutch, is this, there's so many cooks in the kitchen, right? Like, they, Unfortunately, that doesn't seem to hamper them very much. It doesn't seem to hamper them. It, it, like, any other team, it would be a problem, right? And, and But for some reason, they just seem able to to figure it out. Uh, yeah. It'll be a good race. I, I'm, apparently, I missed an episode of Freewheel because I missed that one. 
we talked about the, the U.S. selection. I was actually surprised you didn't text me because we were very opinionated. I, I like your opinions. I know, but it, <laughs> <laughs> I when when I like I waited for a week to go by and I didn't hear from you and I was like, oh, I it's listen, probably yeah, fine. Didn't listen to it. Okay, sorry. I, I think it was like <laughs> right when you were in full dad duty. Probably, probably, yeah. I think the selection is pretty good. I mean, there's. There's always weirdness in American selection because there's a there's rules in place, but also like weird discretionary stuff, and and it's always you can basically sue for your place on the team. Uh, Someone tried on the women's side, on the yeah. on the road side. On the road side, on, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, to take Corinne's spot. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, because well, because specifically Corinne has the fewest probably results in the last until because she's had a pretty rough spring. Right, uh, but she's also the only ever American winner of the Tour of Flanders, and, and if I was picking a team, she would be on my team. That's for sure. There was a, there was it's, it actually wasn't a successful arbitration, but there was arbitration opened, and then a rider pulled out, and another rider will go. So Aaron Huck will go uh, to the Olympics on the mountain bike side. So it's it's just a, it's always like that on, on the American team. It's the way that we've got it structured, and it's just not. It's just, it's inevitable, really, because you've got so many good riders and, and so many riders that want to go. Yeah. Should we move on from that? We should, but before we move on, let's hear from Ruth Winder, who actually crashed on today's, who's also going to the Olympics, and who crashed on today's stage, unfortunately, but seems to be mostly just road rash and, and bruises, hopefully. Let's hear really quick from Ruth. Hey, from my last audio diary of the CS Giro, unfortunately it's from the bus um, much before the race is finished because I crashed out on the descent and my knee was quite sore. I tried to keep riding but then after one of the climbs it was just getting worse and worse and I thought it's just not worth it today to push through as, and which is a huge bummer because it was a super fun race and my legs were actually feeling pretty good for it being day 10. Um, yeah super fun circuit and really bummed but i think i think i'm okay i just have really bashed my knee pretty hard and like i said it was just getting more and more painful the more i was pedaling so i just wanted to call it a day and, and ellen my teammate ellen was super helpful and just saying it's not worth it ruth you know you have to recover it's the last day so listen to her but luckily too um uh, Lucinda and Lizzie were already up in the break and Eliza was in another group behind and the girls were racing super strong. Uh, Lizzie finished second on the day. Congratulations to Corinne. Um, of course, I would have loved for, for Lizzie to take the win, but fellow American and my uh, Olympic teammate in two weeks is winning a stage is also um, pretty cool to see. Um, yeah, so yeah, a good, I think a good last day for the team. I got to see some of it on the TV there at the end, last couple Ks. Uh, I think that they'll be pretty happy. I know Lizzie will be kicking herself uh, for not winning, but hopefully happy with the way they raced and, and all of that. So, yeah, uh, hopefully I will be fine, and that's all I've got for this year's Giro. All right, so the Giro Donna is over, and tomorrow's a rest day in the Tour of France. Yeah. Just hanging out. We're gonna go to the pool. What? No, we're not doing that. I don't have a pool. No. We can go ride our bikes. We're gonna ride our bikes in the morning. We could ride our bikes up the final climb from today, stage fifteen. That would be fun, actually. That would yeah. be really fun. Yeah. And we can um, see if we could beat uh, Sep's time. I think Ronan can beat it. Everson, world champion. 
No, I dropped I've, it today. I've lost it's, it. It's, yeah. Yeah, true. It's mine now. Cool. Until he drops me again. Yeah. Which I'll just never ride with him ever again. Well, it is um, it's 9.02. Two minutes ago, the Euros final started. We've got England and Italy going on. Uh, Ronan, you know, we're, we're, we're known for our hard-hitting journalism here at Cycling Tips. And, you know, take down, we take down dictators and, and UCI presidents and all sorts of stuff. And so, obviously, we thought that we were probably the organization to ask Vincenzo Nibali who he's supporting in the Euros tonight. So, you you, you, you talked to him. I, I can't believe how quickly I'm taken to this journalism <laughs> game. It's like, I should have been doing this years ago. It's truly impressive. It really is it's genuinely impressive. Uh, let's hear from Nibali on, on, on who he's supporting in the Euros tonight. <laughs> Watch the football tonight. It will be England. Ah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I think we win the the Italy, no? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a special day for a uh, dream team Italy. Yes, I think the good players. Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's for the fun, for the spectacolo. It's, uh, it's good. And you're good. Today it's uh, yes, yeah, nice day because uh, I take the breakaway is uh, don't easy. It's many guys in the breakaway and uh, in, the, in the last uh, climb uh, also my teammates uh, a little bit help uh, for me. It's, um, it's nice work uh, also Kenny Allison and uh, Julian Bernard, but. Uh, uh, <laughs> Is the day is really really hard. <laughs> okay, I will talk to anybody about anything. It's very Irish, have you? Yeah, I will talk the leg off this table. There's a guy over here in an ATV considering whether to go into the parking. Okay, that's enough. All right, I'm cutting off this podcast as we exit the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Don't forget to check out the Black Sheep Cycling Tips Cyclist Alliance kit. It's awesome. Link will be in the bio, but it is for a great cause, and it's a freaking awesome kit. It's really good. Yeah. And we will sign off with uh, Ronan's other interview from today with Dan Martin. A bit of both, obviously. Like, I made the first break, and it was eight of us, and then actually perfect situation because there was nobody there for for the mountains jersey so we were quite happy with that situation then Mike came across which was obviously with the contenders for the, the, the KOM competition so it made it a bit more difficult with stage for us but you know it's like yeah it's just a bruise like the heat it's a really hard day I mean it's got to, also got to go down as one of the strongest breakaways ever I think if you, <laughs> if you look at the, the guys involved in that 30 back group it was like oh but uh but yeah I'm, it's really emotional to be here my uh wife and girls on the side of the road and so many friends on the last climb it's uh yeah it's pretty special were they out there on the climb yeah, yeah. Um, um no we we live about with the five where the five k to go sign was we're about we live about 2k from there you know so yeah she just stood there and uh although there's too many people i couldn't see them you know the, the welcome we got them was just amazing and uh yeah it's really it's nice actually blue sky as well every time a race has come here before it seems to rain so it's actually nice to get people get to see how beautiful this place is